A grueling sporting event is doing science. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. People have tried before and failed, which makes the recent effort by a group of students all the more remarkable. About four years ago, law students from eight Pacific islands, all threatened by climate change, urged nations including Australia, New Zealand, and Fiji to go to the world court with their complaint that countries weren't doing enough to fight global warming. Last week, the United Nations General Assembly agreed and passed a resolution to define the obligations of countries to address climate change, a move that could clarify international law. It was adopted with more than 130 nations co-sponsoring and without any votes opposed. One expert said a decision by the World Court could strongly influence other courts around the world, which are hearing a growing number of climate change cases. While the U.S. and China did not vote against the resolution, neither of the two largest greenhouse gas-emitting nations supported it. The World Court could issue an opinion in 18 months. It was just weeks ago that the United Nations member states agreed upon an international treaty that will, when ratified, protect the biodiversity of the high seas. But the world's oceans are still not safe. It was learned last week that the UN's International Seabed Authority will soon begin accepting applications to mine the ocean floor, which is opposed by many for its potential harm to marine environments. In the deep ocean, there are potato-sized nodules that contain cobalt, zinc, and other minerals that are used in batteries. They're abundant in the North Pacific between Hawaii and Mexico. And while the UN Seabed Authority was meeting last week, an updated report was released stating there's no proven technique to harvest the nodules that avoids the loss of biodiversity, and they say the harm could be irreversible. Even if companies apply to mine the ocean starting this July, whether they'll be granted a permit is uncertain because the UN Authority has yet to approve any rules around the controversial practice. If the oceans had lungs, this would be one of them. So said Matthew England at the University of Sydney, Australia, about the cold, oxygen-rich waters near Antarctica that drive how currents move around the planet. For thousands of years, cold water off Antarctica sinks toward the seabed and, in a process known as the overturning circulation, lifts nutrient and oxygen-rich seawater from the ocean floor and sends it toward the surface around the globe to support marine life. But he says that lung function could soon collapse, threatening ocean health for centuries to come. In a new study, England and his team say global warming is melting Antarctic ice and causing fresh water to flow into the ocean that's less salty and less dense and therefore doesn't sink. That's all that's needed, they say, to slow the entire conveyor belt of ocean circulation, leaving nutrients stuck on the seafloor and unable to support ecosystems. The researchers calculated that if global carbon emissions continue at the current rate, the Antarctic overturning circulation will slow by more than 40% in the next 30 years. An overturning slowdown would also reduce the ocean's ability to take up carbon dioxide, that would leave more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, causing more warming and then melting sea ice in a dangerous feedback loop. 
And finally, the ocean race is described as the longest and perhaps most dangerous sporting event in the world. It's a marathon where sailors compete for months and travel 32,000 nautical miles around the globe in some of the planet's toughest waters, including the Southern Ocean that encircles Antarctica. Because the Southern Ocean is vast and remote, it's been difficult for scientists to study, but it's also crucial because much of what happens in the Southern Sea affects global climate. Luckily, four teams are in that region now, sailing the third leg of the race from Cape Town, South Africa toward Brazil. And as they navigate to avoid icebergs and brace against gale force winds, they'll be doing vital science. Some boats will take water samples to measure carbon dioxide to provide insights about climate change and also measure trace elements like zinc, iron, and manganese, which are vital for plankton, the base of the ocean food chain. Other boats will collect samples to test for microplastics, and the entire fleet will measure air temperature, wind speed, and barometric pressure to improve weather forecasts and predict extreme events. Each team will drop buoys to collect data on sea surface temperatures as the planet warms, and while the buoys drift, they will transmit information about currents to understand where the heat is moving. All the data will be sent in real time to several partner science organizations, which will then share their findings with governments to urge them to take action on climate and plastic pollution. The race will finish in June, but the race to save our oceans is on now and is, the organizers say, a contest we definitely have to win. That's it for this week in water. Support comes from WaterDM, an engineering consulting firm focused on demand-side management of water resources. Learn more at waterdm.com.